Hey everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky and this week I am joined with Brett Freeman. Hey everyone, and I think he means this month's episode of the Liberty Squadron this Podcast. Month's episode. <laughs> we we like technically record it and then we like had some technical difficulties and by technical difficulties we were playing a game of X-Wing instead of actually talking. But I am also joined with Chance Crawford. Hello, hello. And from Ramblings of a Wargamer blog, I got that right, right? Paul Braggins? That's me. Hello, hello. I I don't know why I said it like that, but Paul is a good friend of the show, and uh, he's here to talk about his thoughts on 2.5 and the direction of the game and all of his thoughts. Uh, But since we're going to just real briefly recap uh we did have a depticon happen we talked about it on the last episode that we never posted because it was garbage and um we are hoping to get back to the normal schedule and i say this every time that we uh do it but we are hoping to get back to a normal schedule now that things are actually starting to get back to normal and events are happening and actual organized play is happening uh so The one, I mean, I I think it's pretty obvious that we can talk about how good Jedi are and how it really kind of showed in uh, Adepticon. And now Brett is on a Jedi high. and I'm back on Jedi. I never left in my heart. I never left. I I truly think that we are in the darkest timeline. I'll second that. Or at least the purplest timeline. Yeah, we're only in the darkest timeline when Resistance start winning events. So you want to know what I I'll also second that. I put my Han model back in the box today. Like, I just I unpacked it. That's a... That hasn't happened in, like, a year you and mean a half. repacked it? No, I unpacked it from my, my bag of things that I take to X-Wing events. Right, I'm so... Truly upon us. Um, so after kind of like really like diverging through all the rules and the uh, radas and all the new stuff, man, there's just no denying force is just dumb. And I'm really shocked at some of like the uh, situations that AMG took that, you know, force at range zero works and all the dumb things they can do. And I, I don't want to say that if you're not flying Republic, you're wrong, but it, it's coming down to it. If you're not flying Republic or Rebels, you're probably wrong. I mean, okay, let's talk about Rebels then. Um, Because, like, I feel like we could go on and on and on about Republic, and it's, um, you know, maybe it's fine. It's been a while since they've been top dogs. I mean, but they're back, and I think it's just a matter of time before, you know, they get nerfed again. So let's talk about Rebels. Well, so one real quick thing before we start on rebels, do we think it if they just made changes to the the force rules? Do you think that would be enough to knock them knock them down to to more reasonable scale, or do you think it would need more than that? I think it would need a little, maybe not much more than that, but I think it still needs more than that. Yeah. So here's the problem: Barris is three points, and. Gets instinctive aim and a concussion missile, so she's basically in, load out. in every single squad. And Contrail is two points and is an I five that can hit very consistently once you're grabbing those target locks. 
using Besh. So they just have a fantastic five-point two-ship building block that no other faction can compete with right now. Yeah, like the, the closest thing FO has is the, the Malorus and Revis combo, which is also five points. And that just pales in comparison. Yes, and it's, also, it's also extremely bad at the two scenarios that need scenario actions, whereas Jedi have force and don't care that much. And right, I think that's yeah. actually the biggest problem. I, I don't think it's, hey, you get to spend force at range zero. Like, honestly, Turns out passive mods are good. I didn't even remember. Like, Andrew and I just played a game, and I almost didn't remember I could spend force at range zero because it's kind of more of an edge case situation. But uh, being able to do a fine-tuned boost and then grab an objective is very good. Or being right. able to, you know, use a scenario yeah, action I and then still have force on defense, very good. I really think that's one other change that would make a, a big difference is changing the timing. Because we've clearly seen AMG doesn't have any problem with eroding cards to change timings or interactions. Like having uh, adding fully complete to the Nantex and so on. So like just changing the timing of fine-tuning so that they can't fine-tune and then scenario action, I think would also make a, a pretty big difference. It is a good point, but uh, I, I still think just the mobility of them, it's very hard to say what's going to balance them. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I just think they are way above the power right now. Part and, of uh, it's their slots, too. Like, giving the... The, the CLT Jedi were kind of balanced be, being two-die guns that needed that bullseye to get three dice, and so many of them can just take concussion missiles now with instinctive aim or not, so they basically became three-dice ships all the time. Yeah. That, and then that... someone... Sorry, and then someone gave the Ata his cannon slot back when they just had it taken away. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they gave Boba his goddamn... Crucelaw back, but I mean, it doesn't even matter. Except they made him cost 10 points, and they made the Jedi's basically free. Yeah. <laughs> like, the only yeah. the only good thing that, that we can say about it is they made sure that the four-point Jedi do not get cannons, or do not get missile slots. It's it's only the Barris slot, and Barris should just get that taken away, and then the five and up ones, so Plo, Anakin, and Obi-Wan. Also, have we seen anyone flying 7B Jedi? Not, I want to say not no. that I can recall. Yeah, it just it's just it just doesn't make any sense. They're too expensive, and with mm -hmm. games going like you know five rounds, those three concussion missiles are enough. Yup. So you know, not really any point right now to doing it. And right. uh, having uh, those three greens for salvage can make all the difference. Yeah, especially when you always re-roll them into evades. It's a good strategy. Yeah, I've heard so. And you have passive mods to 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 mod those rerolls too. I think they need to do something, and it's just a matter of time. But we'll see. Uh, I think the power scale is just huge with Jedi, and if you see a hawk on the table, whether it be a scum hawk, a rebel hawk, or the Republic hawk, kill it. Just kill it dead. The Republic Hawk. Just burn him to the ground. That is what I have learned. I probably played Brett like five times in the past week, and that is just my consensus. That you just need to burn Hawk. Hawk has just been murdering you so hard. He's 
an amazing support ship. I I do want to talk. I, I do want to talk about, about that. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Brett, what do you think about um? What, what do you think is uh bringing rebels to be such a strong presence? Well, so they get these very cheap B-Wings that, that all get Trajectory Simulator now. Uh, very uh, nasty combination. Um, honestly, so basically it just means don't joust them. Like, that, that's the key, is you just need to, to um, approach these things properly, but in the hands of a, a skilled player, uh, there's not going to be any uh, safe way to, to approach them. And they have very good two-pointers as well. Derek in the uh, A-Wing, very good, and he can take vectored cannons, which basically lets him do the same trick that we were just talking about with the the Aether Sprites, where he can boost now here in the system phase and then do like a five straight and grab that uh, scenario uh, objective. Now, granted, he's only... Uh, he's going to be unmodded at that point, but he's only two points, so like if he dies, he dies. Like, you know, go full-on... Uh, you know, Rocky Four right if there. He dies, he dies. Exactly. Um, and then Lieutenant Blount also a pretty good option. Uh, with the higher ship counts that are going on right now, it's pretty often that you get to trigger his ability to get, you know, a third or a fourth die. So those are pretty good uh building blocks right there. But I, I don't think they compare to the Contrail Barris uh combination. Um, and also uh, Rebels have access to Ursula Wren which is, you know, just a completely ridiculous interaction to uh, give yourself multiple free target locks per turn, potentially. And um, we saw uh, Travis Johnson do some some uh, serious damage at Adepticon, just throwing that on, on Chewie and basically saying, look, I don't really care about these objectives because you're going to be dead when I have Proton Torp outmaneuver Luke and uh, double-tapping, double-modded Chewie. Uh, just taking you out. Right. So Rebels have some good building blocks. Um, I just think they're a little below Republic, but still well above everyone else. So, uh, okay, I, I do want to say that, like, uh, I know we are praising Republic, and I, I, I think it's pretty clear that that is going to be a stable in this meta that we're in. And, um, but I also think there's going to be a lot of balancing that's coming out. Like, I mean, I know... Scum didn't have a great showing. Uh, Imperials did definitely um, make a decent impact in the cut. I mean, but I think we're going to have to really kind of see the next couple months unfold. Um, do we know when the next big official tournament is? It's not Nova, is it? So um, in the United UK, States, it's Nova. Yeah. But yeah, the UK has one right. coming up soon. June. June. Great. That'll be really good to see. What they're they're not planning on doing a two point are they? <laughs> no, no, it's uh, it's an officially mandated tournament, so it's t- standard two point five, I believe. Okay. Uh, yeah, I I think that'll be really interesting to see how things unfold because I feel, I mean, granted, the UK gives us huge amounts of data, so it'll be nice to see what does unfold out that way. Yeah. But like, 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 I think the point that I'm saying is that like we're still so early into this meta that I, I think it's going to be um, things that's just going to start unfolding. Like I, I was sorting through a lot of the lists and like you didn't see a lot of 
uh, variety in certain things. Like when I was looking at the scum list, for example, like a lot of the uh, lists looked okay, but like they were all a lot of them are the same. And I saw a lot with uh, um, Imperial and resistance for that matter where they were they're very all very similar but it was just also like there's a lot of different options that i feel like i'm seeing so uh that's why i just hope that we get a lot more data coming out of these yeah so can i can i give two big takeaways from adepticon though um so the first is that skill is clearly still a very big part in x-wing as the final table was nathan id versus marcel manzano you know two of the biggest names in x-wing uh you know in in 1.0 and in 2.0. So, uh, you know, clearly all the, you know, fear-mongering of Road is taking away all the skill, and, you know, it's just a dice game now. Uh, definitely untrue. Um, the second thing is, I guess, maybe not necessarily take away from Adepticon, but uh, the Carolina Crates put out a, a very good podcast in the last two weeks uh, talking about uh, their mindset preparing for the tournament and basically telling people hey, you might be focusing a bit too much on uh, actually playing the objectives instead of just killing other ships. And as with most times when the crates say something, I expect a lot of people to listen. So I think that there's a very good chance that the next big tournament we see, uh, people have very different win conditions in mind than they had going into this one. That's fair. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's that's been a uh, topic on a lot of different podcasts that's been hammering around is like the the win condition, and um, and I think I think it's important that people have to start realizing like the different types of win conditions, and, and that's a good point because like I said, in, in all the games that we just you know um, focused on, it's like a lot of my ships are stationed around different. Um, different objectives or looking at different objectives and that might not be the best cause it might be something like focus firing a certain hawk down but uh, so uh, but to that point a, a lot of times is it's still practicing the game figuring out your list figuring out other people's lists and um it it definitely presents that skill is definitely still an important part of the game that it's not just even when games are only going through five six rounds that it is something that uh yeah it's very important might be even more so now because you can really uh either lose a game or come close to losing a game just by uh screwing up and uh like your turn zero or just completely misjudging uh either where the the first engagement's going to happen or or your target priority like there's not time to make stuff up now you need to to basically be playing flawless to to win consistently mm-hmm. which is why i've been on such a good streak against you because the jedi aren't helping at all are they yeah it's good decision making <laughs> it's not uh i bumped you and uh i'm going to focus or use three of my force to Change three of my like there could be multiple as, reasons, but you know decision making. As Brett completely boxes up his rebels. All right, moving on. Um, so Paul, thanks for coming on the show. Um, I highly recommend anyone go and check out his blog, Ramblings of a War Gamer. Um, so excuse me. What are your thoughts on 2.5? I mean, we have we have some data coming in. Like I said, we have 
important things that are mattering and things that aren't mattering and things that we're figuring out and all that stuff. So what are your thoughts on 2.5 in general? And let, let's just talk about, like, it's been two months now since we've gotten everything. Uh, probably a little bit less than two months, right? It came out in February. Yeah, it's been about six weeks. And so, so should first we first get should we first get European Paul or American Citizen Paul's take? I want European Paul's. <laughs> okay, so there, honestly, there's no difference between the two. Um, not anymore because <laughs> I'm not actually an American citizen yet. Remember that. I thought you were. I apologize. No legal permanent resident. Legal permanent resident. I have a green card, not my citizenship. USCIS, if you're listening, hurry up. Um, so when 2.5 first dropped, I was very, very excited for the, for the objectives, the new list building kind of threw me until I realized I could have a hundred point Poe, a hundred point Ray and something else in a resistance list, um, which made me happy in very several different special places. And then I realized that I was never going to have a chance because people were flying six ship lists and it was just going to melt. Um, but when I first played, I thought. I wasn't convinced when I first played that first tournament I went to at um, Red Caps Corner. I wasn't convinced. I came away feeling a bit deflated, a bit confused because I'd put together a list that worked. And through one, just through how, how things had worked out, I came away with one win, one draw, one loss. I came third overall, which, you know, when you think about it, it's not a terrible result. One win, one draw, one loss is actually pretty good. But it felt hollow. Something didn't feel right. Then, I, I and I thought I wasn't going to keep doing this. I was only going to play socially. I wasn't going to drive anywhere to play. I was going to maybe play on TTS, and that was it. Fast forward, I think it was, what, two weeks to ECG? Played four rounds there. Time of my life. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I'd gone into this first tournament really not knowing what I was doing not having any sense of expectation. I think I went in expecting too much. I went in expecting it to be exactly the same that I was going to do. Be able to, I had my list that I knew what I was doing with. It was going to be reliable. It was going to be, it was going to be good. And for the most part, it was. However, other people's lists did better things in different ways. And in ways that in 2.0 wouldn't have worked. So I think coming in, coming into 2.5 from that kind of mindset was difficult because it was, you know, I, I like using the term brave new world when we talk about 2.5 because we don't know really what we're doing. The meta still hasn't shaken itself down yet, although we're seeing it start to. But it was, I was in the, I felt it was more like heart of darkness rather than, you know, finding paradise or utopia or whatever or anything. Now, I understand what I'm doing. I understand what other people are doing, and it's become fun again. That also helps that I'm playing with people I like. I'm not playing random people who I don't know, who might be bringing the weirdest combination of janky stuff that has combination after the combination after combination that makes my head spin. And I think tempering your expectations and making sure you're playing with people you trust and people you enjoy playing with is the key to enjoying this game if you like it you like it if you don't like it and a lot of people don't that's okay play what you love 
play with the people you love. That's the key. That's what my big takeaway from 2.5 is. Is it an improvement over 2.0? In ways, yes. In other ways, no. Is it still a game I will enjoy playing with people I like playing with? Yes. Is it something I will still travel an hour away down the road to play at ECG? Yes. That that's my that's my rant and sort of ramble, funnily enough, on what I think of two point five. So it's interesting you say that. Like I I know um about the is it a you know better is it worse um well, and I think one of the things that we really have to kind of like key in on is this is AMG's X wing like it's not we it's very clear that it's not uh, FFG's X wing anymore and. It's some. It's still a work in progress. I mean, they've had the game in their hand for over a year now, and they're still, um, you know, doing things. But if you really kind of look at like all the the progress that um, X Wing made over the years in FFG's hands, it'll be interesting to see in let's say two years how the game looks then like i mean obviously we're we're harping that you know uh jedi are too good and that you know certain objectives this and that but uh, i think it's one of those things that it's like i'm glad to be a part of it now and i'm hoping that in a year when we're playing the game that it's going to look even better and i'm so far i'm happy with the way things have been going um i i know we we sit here and say that um x-wings with the objectives and everything like that um it it is completely different but i I think at the same time let's take a look at all the things people have complained about in the past i don't know five years playing x-wing um and are we still complaining about that in AMG's X-Wing? Like, people aren't um, turtling anymore, or they're not um, running some time. What's that? Oh, I thought you were just looking for fortressing. Oh, fortressing. That is exactly what I was looking for. I'm not fortressing anymore. Um, Yeah, because it's not a problem anymore. It... um, arc dodging aces with crazy bids i mean i think it's still arc dodging but it's it's not a problem anymore where i am just going into a game and scooping because they have a bigger bid than me um do i think it needs work absolutely like like i said i mean and amg probably knows this as well like They've put a lot of time and we had the challenges of the pandemic um but i, I think at the same time it's in a direction that uh, it could be a lot better than um, 2.0 in general. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is one of the things that I, I did catch from that. But yeah, the other thing, uh, Paul, is you know playing with people that enjoy the game is 100% better than people that don't enjoy the game, you know? Yeah, I mean, and I think that's part of it. If you surround with yourself with people who like the game, and I'm not talking about the militant pro 2.5 people, 
And I'm not talking about the militant anti 2.5 people. If you surround yourself with people who like the game, you're going to enjoy whatever you're playing, whether you're playing 2.5, whether you're playing 2.0 with the new quote unquote legacy points they've invented for the new ships. You could still be playing 1.0. So long as you are with a community that you enjoy being part of, you can't really go wrong. So a, fr a friend of mine from the UK, Kevin Branch, on Discord the other day, gave said something very, very wise. He may have even said it on, fa on Facebook, I can't remember. He said that it's best if we treat 2.5 as a completely different game to 2.0. The same way we treated 2.0 as a different game to 1.0 to get over all of those hurt feelings. So if you want to enjoy 2.0 while still trying 2.5, no one is stopping you. It's a different company. It's a different game. It's, as I said, Brave New World. It's no different, for example, from still enjoying 40k, whatever edition you're playing, and testing out the new edition they've come out with, or Kill Team, or anything like that. Just be positive about it. Give it a go. If you don't like it, that's fine. It's like uh, the people that still play old Warhammer. <laughs> what, what, what is it? Uh... The old they, don't, they, don't, they don't play Sigmar, it's whatever the old one. Yeah, they the, have a the, name for it. The ninth edition living rule book or whatever they came up yeah. with. Yeah. And you know what? If that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I mean I, I guess it, it sucks that you don't have the support of the company, but I, I guess that's just the world you want to live in. But I mean at the same time it's it's fine that you won't play that way. I mean, I, I think um I don't know if we should get into this. We should. Okay. Um, uh, I think as far as an organized play standpoint, um, I think you need a clear distinction between 2.5 and 2.0. I don't think there should be a middle ground between the two. Um but I, I mean that is just my take on things. I, I think now, Grant, uh, I'm trying to very tread lightly, <laughs> um, because when you, I think the problem is you start splitting communities, and that is something that the game can't tolerate. I think right now, and, and it is a matter of just finding the community that you're in. But I think at the same time. Um, one is probably going to prevail, and one is... It might not die, but it's definitely going to shrink. Oh, yeah, right? Like, the, the legacy, or whatever they're calling themselves, group, uh, has a very finite amount of time where they're going to be able to play, because people are going to get sick of not having any real tournaments, they're going to get sick of the lack of support. Like, you're not going to ever get a new player to probably join that so you have a finite group of players and attrition is just naturally going to happen and it's going to to die whereas uh you know the the newer edition is where the game will hopefully grow and i think that's just something you need to to recognize if you are going to be one of those legacy type players that you know there is an end clock on your game where hopefully for people playing the current edition there there is no you know, planned end clock or anything like that. Uh, do, uh, are the legacy players playing road at all, or are they just straight 2.0 purists? I do not know, but I would imagine they're playing pure 2.0. Right. Um, I mean, it is Who's what it we? is. Yep, yeah. 
there's supposedly a, a, a points list that they've essentially made that they figured out for all the new ships and that they've used to uh, make their own adjustments for 2.0 to, to still to be able to still include bids and whatnot as well. So it's the old 2.0 list building with uh, 2.0 everything, but with all the newer ships and with uh, their versions of uh, of balancing. Interesting. Oh, but, I do. Yeah. I was just gonna say, but for like you know all the the you know takes you'll hear about how oh this game is horrible, no one wants to play it anymore. About you know two point five, right? We just had uh, Adepticon as we've been talking about, and there were one hundred ninety two people. And the last Adepticon, you know, before the pandemic, there were two hundred and fifty one people. So, uh, you know, it sounds to me like interest in X Wing is still basically what it was um i mean you you would obviously expect that pe- there's going to be fewer people in light of everything going on with covid so i mean i i think 192 people shows that there are still a huge uh you know crowd of people who want to play competitive x-wing i mean when you consider the um nova open the x-wing 84 players day one 84 players day two that's 168 players and most of those tickets are gone and we're going to see players coming in to play in the side events and not take part in the main event as well. So we could probably assume probably 200 people over the weekend there as well. Right. Sure, it's not the 400 people, you 400 person UK system open where it draws <laughs> people from literally all across an entire continent. But, but no one's going to be doing that right now because of COVID. And who knows, like, who knows how good uh, the, the UK Game Expo event's going to be, right? Like it could be you know, one of the biggest events that that we see in a very long time. They, I mean, the UK is, I mean, I should say Europe is a different breed, I think, with uh, miniatures gaming in the United States. And that's why I love seeing the results and everything come out of there. Because, uh, I th- like I said, I think it's a completely different breed than the United States. So, uh, gaming, the- yeah. Sorry. So as of as of this, as of right now, there are 250 seats available for the um, Saturday UK Open qualifier. There are 212 left to be sold. Oh, <laughs> wait. So, so only there's... so there's only 38 people who bought tickets so far. So far, admittedly, uh, it was only announced. I want to say last week. Yeah, yeah, but, this I mean, June. Nova tickets just went on sale eight days ago. And... It is. <laughs> it's in June. The issue is, is it's an £18 ticket for the event, plus however much the Expo tickets are. So like Expo, it's going to be expensive. Right. Uh, I mean... Yeah, I'm looking... And I feel... I mean, I feel like a lot of the 2.0, at least from what I've been seeing, is the uh, 2.0 purists, I guess we could call them, is uh, coming out of the uk area right like i'm not seeing too many american players i completely agree like there, there's definitely some i mean we know there's even some podcasts that have just completely stopped because they are so unhappy with the changes but i agree that it seems like at least the vocal portion of that community seems to be european based and that i think actually has something to do with the way communities in europe and the communities in the u.s work it's the same to a great extent with more traditional war games with Warhammer stuff like that. 
in the UK and in Europe, everyone is very close together. So there are a lot of gaming stores. There are a lot of places for people to play domestically, to play for fun, casually, whatever, whatever way you put it. So when people do go to tournaments, it's usually the hardcore players that go. In America, everything is a lot farther apart. Unless you live in a big city, you might not have a local gaming store. So a lot of people are only going to tournaments as their only way of playing this game. So almost by default, every player is a semi-competitive player so long as they're not only playing on their kitchen table, which means that a lot of American players will simply, they'll, they might they might moan for a bit that they have to spend more money or that things they liked doing aren't quite the same anymore. But they don't have so much of a choice but to accept the change and move on. Right. One other thing I'm curious, do you think that due to there not being a... a, a true real dedicated op yet do you think that's also might be why some people are a little more hesitant to go to a big x-wing tournament without there being a true full dedicated op i think part of it's that part of it is also if you were going to a 2.0 tournament you knew you were playing five or six games of let's just kill everything on the board now we've got five or six rounds of we've got four 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 scenarios we're playing at least one of them twice I think that's also what's bugging people who even do like 2.5 but don't want to jump into the competitive side of things because you've got a how whatever chance of playing a scenario you don't necessarily enjoy twice or that your list might not be excellent at twice. If we had more more objectives, so say we had six missions, you'd play one of each. And then in the cut, you'd recycle them. You'd start again like you would... Uh, 40k gt for example so that would be my thinking personally on going to a five or six round tournament is that i don't want to have to play chance encounter twice chance encounter in my opinion is boring it's 2.0 with a bonus objective chance is the worst you heard it here what i did to deserve all this thanks amg (laughs) uh so uh Okay, and I made this claim a little bit ago about how I, I thought a tournament was going to be about four rounds, um, which obviously isn't going to be the case. But that is a good point. Like so, like um, like I said with Imperial Assault, the way that worked was that you would do, uh, and I can't remember off the top of my head if they had more than four. I think they did. Um, they had a slew of like objectives or um, scenarios on different maps. So I, I think it might have been four maps and two different. So it might have been eight scenarios total. I can't remember. Like I said, I, it's been so long since this happened. But you never play the same one twice until the cut and then the, it reset the counter. So uh, I would like to see them potentially put six to eight out in a time. And I mean, it's easy enough that they can make scenarios. Um, that they could just put them out. Like I, I don't think it's anything crazy. Um, like it requires a little bit of testing, but they could definitely do that. And then, but I, I do agree that like playing the same scenario twice in a Swiss round is probably not the best thing. Um, and, and but that, like I said, that, that goes to the, my point that I think we're still in this growing period of two point five, and we're gonna be learning a lot, and AMG is gonna be learning a lot, and. It's just a matter of growing and like being part of the community to watch it grow is, I think, the most important part. 
Because without that community, it doesn't grow. Yeah, I agree. And I I think that they will come out with more scenarios. I certainly hope so. I, I agree with you. Like, I think the, you know, it takes some time to, you know, develop them and play test them. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think it has anywhere near the same type of logistical hurdles that you have with actual product releases. Um, so hopefully they can come soccer. out. Yeah, yeah, they could also just make <laughs> Droid Soccer legal, I guess. But I sure hope not. Um, to get to, to the question about the, the dedicated OP person, I think the fact that there's not dedicated OP yet um, is part of the reason there's so much complaining, but I don't think it has to do with the, the hesitation. I just think it's once there's actually official events, people are just going to go, and they're going to be right. happy. And until there's official events, then they can, you know, they can complain as, you know, because there's, you know, there, there's nothing they're missing out on. Once they start missing out on stuff... I think people are just going to, you know, get in line and have a good time. Right. So the other thing that I, I do want to say was uh, uh, PAX Unplugged, when 2.0 first came out, I think PAX Unplugged was the first official event for when Second Edition came out. And um, we didn't see, I want to say there was over 100 people, but it wasn't that much more. It wasn't like the Adepticon uh this past one where there was 192 people or whatever there was 165 okay so it's still greater so maybe it was a little bit on par but i think also the other thing about it is is that like you know covid is hopefully winding down and people want to get out of their house and um so i i think that has a big thing to do with it too where i know we can sit here and say it is um amg putting out the new game and everything but also it is that that i think everyone has a lot of uh cabin fever going on and they want to get out of the house and all that fun stuff so there there, there is that to take into consideration um however like i said i'd be really disappointed if there's less than 100 people at the uh the uk games expo con yeah i i mean honestly in my mind i was expecting it to be you know, two or three hundred, just based on how. Uh, uh, Brett, you know, do you want to go to UK? Done. I I would love to. Let's do this. Okay. Paul, do you want to come with us and show us around? No, I got COVID last time I went home. I'm not doing <laughs> that again anytime soon. You know what? Your wife <laughs> got something too, if I recall correctly. Yes, that also happened. Um, yeah, there was nothing <laughs> else to do. What can I say? Well, we'll win it for Paul then. Me and Brett are going to the UK Games Expo. Yeah, I'm looking. Oh. I'm actually looking at the res- restrictions for traveling to England now, and everything is basically open. Right. Like you don't need to complete the passenger locator form anymore. You don't need to take a COVID test before you travel or after you arrive, or quarantine when you get there. So you could basically arrive on a plague barge, and they would be fine with it. All right, Brett, let's do it. All right, we're we're doing it. You do have to go to Birmingham, though, for this event, so, yeah. Alabama? No, the original one. The oh. worst one. I'll take my chances. I'm just going to ask everyone, like, do you know Paul Braggins? No? All right. Yeah, it's like when uh, you tell someone what someone college you went to. Yes. Right. We'll say that again. There's going to be someone who says yes. Yes. I mean, listen. You it know, may not be you, but. 
I mean, Chance was talking, hanging with the 186th guys at the Worlds in 2019, right? So you're probably going to find someone who knows me. Yeah, we'll find out. And just hope we don't come back with COVID. Um, or a baby. Uh, yes. um, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, uh, yeah, we talked a little bit of 2.5 about League. So, like I said, we're about two months into it. I think uh, hot takes, first impressions are way out the window at this point. Um, and like I said, I, I, I think we're in this growing phase. I think it, I can't wait to see it. Man, I really hope that, like, AMG puts like an on a fast rotation cycle too. That like um uh, like I said, my hope would be that they uh put out a scenario, put out two more scenarios. But I also hope that we get them fast. Like I hope that we get them like three months apart because that would be amazing. That'd be a real fresh take on the uh on the scene. That if, if they hopefully like I said, don't wait a year to do it and rather just a couple months because that'd be awesome um like i what if they like a week or two before that tournament they're just like or a week or two before nova they're just like here's the new scenario this one's out chance engagement is out and then everyone would be like oh my god and then it would have absolutely nothing to do with the meta but but it would be a nice uh refreshing thing to say yeah i wouldn't have a problem with that actually And it'd be nice if we saw something that maybe the objectives didn't all stay in the same place. Like maybe a capture the probe droid objective, like the droid soccer game that they came up with for um, the side event at Nova. Not Nova, Adepticon. Like they just moved randomly. That would be cool if they just moved randomly. You treat them as remotes. Well, what is uh, you could put like the hyperspace marker on them, and then like you roll the dice, and then they move in that direction. We really want to have like multiple types of objective tokens. No, 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 no. It would be the same objective token, but you would just kind of like put it on that top of the token, and then you would like move it in that direction. Also, like, Andrew yeah. sells player. acrylic, so yes, he would like multiple types of objective tokens. Yes, he would. Uh. Thanks for the self-promotion. I guess I have to post my link in the... I just cut like 150 tokens today. Um, any other final talks on 2.5 before we talk about the new ships? Well, can we just talk... Like, I'm having a lot of fun with 2.5. I've probably played more X-Wing in the last two months than I have played in like the six months before that. And I have been having a fantastic time in basically every game. Um... And like, are are you guys having those same feelings? Like, is this as fun as it as it feels to me? Is it just you know, hey, this is new and I'm learning and I like learning, so that's fun? Or or did they actually just make the game like more interesting? I'd like to put a little disclaimer on this: that Brett is flying Jedi exclusively. That's and not that true. might be why he's having a lot of fun. I took Rebels to my first tournament. In fact, I, I have just... I have not actually put Jedi on a physical table yet. I've only been using the bully you. <laughs> that, that is true. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. Brett is a bully. Brett is a bully. Uh, until I bring Jedi to ECG and I and we get paired up in round two. Because oh, that's what no, happened. no. Why? I already told Brett I was taking Jedi before Brett said he was taking Jedi. 
He did. <laughs> then, he changed it, then he changed it and said he was flying scum. So we'll have to see. No, we'll see. Well, I, I still think, I love that Fang list. It is, um, it reminds me very heavily of the four Fangs. Um, but now I get abilities. Uh, no, I, I am having a lot of fun with it. Um, I wouldn't say I'm not having fun. Go ahead. Probably like, like 25, 75. I'm, I'm mostly having fun. I still have some major qualms and some other sm- small minor ones that I'm hoping... It's all things they can fix easily. Um... So it'll kind of you know we'll 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 see, but I'm I'm mostly enjoying it, but I'm I'm still skeptical. So the twenty five percent personality. So twenty five percent not enjoying, seventy five percent enjoying. Yes. Okay. I'm probably gonna say eighty five fifteen just to be extra. Um, I've got some gripes that I think are legitimate, and some people think are ridiculous. Like for example, Anakin getting the cannon slot back. Keith knows why. He knows what he did. Um. But for the most part, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm really enjoying that I can take a more varied variety of ships now. I know varied variety is redundant, but still. I like I'm t- I flew J. Chris Tubbs. J. Chris Tubbs, the most useless pilot in the entire resistance. And he actually now has a purpose. It's to be a four point two seventy. And that's not that's it. But it this new list building thing means that pilots that never saw the light of day are now getting their time in the sun. Admittedly, we're also seeing that pilots have been unfairly treated. Cough. Every one of the um, sick fighters. <laughs> and that's me as someone who really detests the scum faction. And I even I think that's cruel. But I, I yeah, I'm really enjoying really enjoying the objectives. It makes me think of makes me think about what I'm doing a lot more. Um, and that choice of do I go for the objective to score one point or do I kill that two health ship for four? That's that's what I'm really enjoying because it's making me I'm not I'm not playing on autopilot anymore, which is I think the problem I was having at the end of 2.0. Yes, right. Like we've all done those death matches so many times that it was just getting repetitive, right? And and time was like you know a flat circle or whatever. And I'm I'm glad that that is is over with and the the point about the varied ships is a really good one like i flew two z95s in my first 2.5 tournament and including that tournament the number of z95 pilots i have flown ever is now two um i'd never even touched them before because they were garbage and here like i was able to kind of carve out a role for them and that was really interesting and and fun using you know what felt like a new ship to me I have an 8Z95 list that took me to second place at a 1.0 tournament that would like to have words with you about that comment, just so you know. There was no negativity. I said it was cool. The bandit swarm will have its revenge. Not in 2.5, it won't. Uh, I just want to say, like, there's no reason Gargor, Bim, should be four points. Isn't the only... I zero pilot. It's four points. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's pretty high. Them and the uh, the V nineteens, like the torrents. They, mm. I, I don't know what the hell's going on with all this pricing. I mean, it's almost like they were like, uh, "We've run out of time. If we haven't tested it, uh, four point it." 
And hey, you know what? That's not a horrible, horrible idea. Like, we don't want it to break the game. If there's some dedicated yeah. people who want to use it, we'll make it more expensive than we think it should be, and uh, we'll fix it. I in mean, the next to point be change. fair, it would be really interesting to see if, like, the, when we do get points changes, and hopefully we do get some uh, every once in a while, that they, like, okay, well, is not going to be three or four points, and, uh, you know, something is going to be two points. Like, it would be really interesting if they do switch up that two-point ship, that flavor of the whatever, the flavor of the meta. I did actually read an article that suggested something similar, that suggested that Blount, Contrail, um, name me another two-point pilot, should all go, Hobby, for example, should all go up to three points with some loadout value, and the lowest initiative generic of that chassis should go down to two with no loadout value whatsoever. Which I think... It doesn't promote swarm play, which is, I think, what they were trying to do, because realistically, people are still going to be adding the cool stuff and then thinking, oh, I've got two points to spend. What do I sh- what do I shove in? Right. Because they're only two point of generic right now is the Obsidian Squadron pilot, right? Uh, and the one of the vultures. Okay. What are you going to say, Brett? Uh, I, I just, I do think it'll be interesting to see what happens when they change those two pointers up and i think that they should not be i4 and i5 pilots i, th- I think yep. that was a mistake and i i think it's spicy like uh, i i think it would be really interesting to see if like i don't know let's say something like ezra and like the High LF fighters, two points. Like, what? <laughs> I think it would be interesting. Like, I, I think that they're just like, if they just threw something random, I don't care if it's. I, I mean, Contra, I think it's a little silly, but. Um, I, I wouldn't be opposed to something bad. A but, bad I5, it's two points. Yeah, and I think I get the reason why they did it. They wanted people to bring named pilots because. They've come from Marvel Crisis Protocol, where everyone is a hero or everyone is a villain, and they've they've implemented that with X-Wing. It's now the Star Wars version of Hero Hammer. You can't can't do that with Legion. You can't do that with Armada. But you can do it with X-Wing. They're they're adding generic stuff to uh, Crisis Protocol now, which I think is kind of funny. I mean, I don't know the extent of it, but it's like uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I I don't know if you can bring, like, multiple Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I know it looks like the models have, like, three people on this stand, but uh, it'd be interesting if you could bring, like, multiple of them. Uh, I I stopped following Crisis Protocol, so I don't have an answer to that. But they have, like, generics there now, too, which is... Interesting. Um, so let's start to uh, wrap up some things. Uh, we had the Razor Crest and the Gauntlet come out. Um, so nobody else has played them except for me. I painted one, nope. but I haven't. I haven't actually played them. I so played I mean, them. <laughs> the um, uh, my personal thing, the Razor Crest is a really cool ship. It doesn't die if you build it right which i think is fine um but it's the dial man that dial is just so goddamn hard to to play with 
It's like, it, yeah, there's outs with it. Yeah, you can throw L3 on it to get blue banks. But, like, when a meta where... We're not even just a meta, but, like, when so many ships have boosts and barrels and all those fun things to get out of arcs and you're in a medium-based ship, like, it, it's just hard. It, it hits hard, yes. It, it doesn't die. So maybe this is, like, an objective-type ship... Um, but I, I think at the same time, it's you're going to get into some stinks where people are going to know what you're doing for three turns and they can take advantage of it. And I have a real issue with that. Um, it's a fun ship. It's I enjoyed it uh, when I played with it, the, the couple matches that I did play with it. But like I said, I don't know... I would have to see a, a really good loadout for this to uh to bring it competitively and that makes me sad. The uh the everything that it came with was pretty cool. Would you say it's kinda of more or less in the same place the uh the Kimogila was in? Because it's kind of just the new version of the Kimogila when you look at it. Um uh, a little bit. I mean, I I think, like I said, I I, I think the Kimogila was a. They're both, I guess, medium-based bruisers. Like I said, um, though, if you build this thing out, load out right, it doesn't die. Especially the Mandalorian, like it, it's it's probably living until the end. And if you can build around it with uh other stuff, being able to do damage. You should be fine, and, and you should be able to save points with it and stuff like that. But like I said, I mean, there's going to be turns where you're just going to telegraph exactly what you're doing, and that people can obviously take advantage of it. So you need to kind of have like a, a build a list around this to uh, really give it a backup plan um, on what to do. So why are you saying the chemo as a as a comp? Just out of curiosity, chance. It's a medium based gum ship with the same amount of health and a three die gun. Okay. It's one less green die, but it's it's the I I think it's the closest ship base the closest ship I can I can relate to uh to uh the ST seventy. Okay, just yeah, well, yeah that like second lost... die is really huge, like that green yeah. die. It, it is, it is, it is. But I just mean the the Kimogilo is kind of the same thing. Where it was just a medium base bruiser, except that it died. Um, whereas the the Mandalorian is a medium base bruiser that doesn't die. But like Andrew said, they both have the issue where they were, generally speaking, kind of predictable as to where they were going to be. I mean, I think the uh, the Kimogila dialogue was better than this thing. It, it it's it is better. It has a stop and a five k, and two talon rolls. Kimo has and all of its white banks are, uh, all over. Yeah, but in a game where there's five turns, having that ability to stop or five k, like even just one time, them being that worried about where you're going is is pretty huge. Right, it, it it is, but like I mean, like if you plan your lanes right, like I mean, this thing isn't. So the one turns are red, the three turns are red. Your straights are blue, so it's like. The second that you pull off one of those red maneuvers, I mean, I'm assuming that you're going to have contraband on here. You might have another turn, and then what are you doing? 
you're two turning, you're banking, or you're going straight. Like you're not doing anything. Like and, and the amount of maneuverable ships that are in this game right now, it's going to be very easy to not give a shit after those two turns. So yeah, sure. When games are only five, six rounds in certain scenarios, it might be okay. Otherwise, it's you know, it, and you're going to be stressed and not taking you know mods. Or you're going to be saving them for defense because you need it, and it's 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 hard, I think. Hey, so do you uh do you try and bring a and I I don't actually know if this works, but I think it does a second contraband and put Sicatro Vizago on I there. I don't. Uh, I think what, the consensus else? is you can't take two. Uh, well, I know, I know you, you can't, can't naturally, two. but you could Sicadro Vizago one over to the Mandalorian, I think. I mean, why don't you just bring Jabba? <laughs> you could also bring Jabba. I mean, Vizago is, is one point, though. True. But Jabba is more fun. Jabba, but you also Jabba need to have. That also requires you to be having another ship that. Uh, is taking an illicit. Yes, and I I know we don't want to spend those points on upgrades. They're precious, but um, I don't know. It it just the there could be enough turns where I think you could easily make it make it worthwhile. Have you only done also the Mandalorian, or have you done Q nine? Because I feel um, like that barrel roll you get to do after a red maneuver, you know, can maybe up or or help a lot with the predictability. Like you're still going to be predictable. You're just going to be in a better spot. Yes, I played one game with uh, Q90, and it was okay. I mean, uh, I think the extra eight points of the Mandalorian gives you... Like, okay, like Q90, like, I think it's fun. Um, if you can't have another point and you need to go down to six points, I think Q90 is a acceptable replacement, but... Having those 20 points with uh, two EPT or 28 points with uh, two EPTs and all the fun stuff that the Mandalorian can bring, I think that's the way to go. And I wasn't on that boat at first. And then uh, after playing around with it, it definitely is a better option. Yeah, I mean, it, um, it does seem pretty pretty good. Yeah, but like I said, I don't know. Like, I mean, even, even like looking at that match that we were playing today, like, uh, I think. After that big turn or something, I, I, I don't think it would have been that, like, big turning point. Like, after that, like, if things didn't die, they weren't going to um, be... This wasn't going to be a threat to you other than a turn or two, right? Like... I mean, I've always found a 5 turn or 5k followed by a 1 straight is still very effective. Like, you're gonna... Or you should still be in the fight, like, with with that. Sure you know, set of maneuvers and then, you know, your stress is gone. I don't, I don't know. I got to play around with it. Like clearly I'm not, I'm coming from zero games as I said with it. So, uh, you've, you've played like games, that, so you know more than me. That's the thing is like, if you, if you, there is a tight knit asteroid field in this, like you're not 5k, you're, you're maybe stopping. And if you're like on the outside of the, um, asteroid field, then it's even, you, and your opponent can just fly through it, it might be a problem. Like that that's I think the big thing is like it, it's really that it, it can take it, it can win jousts, it can do things like that, but if you have to go into the asteroid field or anything, it's 
not viable. It, it's really not. If you need to maneuver at all, it's not viable. Gotcha. Just one other question then about it. Sorry. Um, did you try burnout thrusters on it at all? Uh, I didn't. I have no idea if that's good or not. I just it. Is that the slam? Yeah. I love burnout thrusters, and I have yet to use it yet. Like I don't know, just do a slam and then just take a deplete token. That sounds like a a cool way to get in a a good spot. Sure. It might be. We'll have to test it out. Um, we can talk about the gauntlet for a little bit. The gauntlet's such a versatile ship that um, I've only looked at Scum, obviously, and I think both the Scum pilots are just really, really good at what they do. Maul, Maul's nice trick is getting, like, what, six force? <laughs> It's pretty yep. it's pretty ridiculous. Six force and you can get like three back when you get hit. It's it's a little silly. Um I think um Maul for eight points it's um twenty seven load out. It's ridiculous. It's it's something that's gonna hit hard and it's gonna you know, oh man. Doesn't have a torpedo slot, shucks. <laughs> Um, what missile do you take there? None. Yeah, right? I don't think proton rockets, maybe. Probably not, though. I just feel the need to point this out. I watched a game on Hexile where someone was flying Maul with Queel on him. And uh, Queel, over the course of the game, I think healed seven damage cards mm-hmm. on Maul. Which is pretty ridiculous and it legit kept him alive for an extra like three turns he so he was effectively like healing two to three damage and getting two focus tokens uh with maul and quill that is pretty nasty it's got a force and a talent i need to put maul on the table what am i doing I don't know. Being obsessed with uh, guidance chips the ship. I mean, okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been messing around a lot with Rook. And, like, he's an I3, so, or she is an I3, I should say. So, it does. Um, I, I think that's her big downfall. But other than that, she is just 1.0 guidance chips to an extent. And it is disgusting. Unless you're fighting against Jedi, and then they just alpha her off the table. It's a, it's a good strategy. I like Ezra. Like Ezra's who I have been uh, been trying uh, to like, you know, theorycraft with. And I mean, you can make a an Ezra that basically can just uh, stop for the entire game and still have mods almost every turn. And uh, it it seems like it could be kind of a, a nice fun trick to do. You can make a double tap, um, again with with mods. Like I I don't know. I I think there could be something there. Have you tried spinning? I I've heard it's a good trick. Good trick. Um yeah. Oh man, now I want to put ball on the table. You make me do this. We'll play. Uh, we'll play later this week. Put them all on the table. Yeah, and then you'll just alpha him off the table. That's um, kind of my goal every time. 
Yeah, like I said, I, I've heard a lot of people um, be very disappointed with the uh, with the gauntlet so far, but I also think that uh, there's a lot of potential for it, and uh, we don't have a lot of data yet on it. So seven points expensive. is just a a very right. competitive um, like point cost. Like for for rebels, okay, I could take Ezra, I guess, and try out those things, or I could put Chewie on the board. And Shui is probably better, you know, in nearly every situation. I mean, and, uh, you know, if Chewie's better than Ezra, obviously he's going to be better probably than Chopper in the the generic one. And, yeah, Scum, I mean, also has some some pretty competitive seven-point ships. And seven just kind of also leaves you an awkward building uh, situation for the rest of the list so i don't know i i wish that there was a generic in one faction that was only six i think that would be interesting but then you could bring six or three of them we'll make it unique problem solved i was um they were discussing on hexile today that three of the four games on hexile gaming today had a gauntlet in it because everyone loves it everyone wants to try it but I think they said that only of 11 out of the 25 games played this month with a gauntlet have been victories for the team with the gauntlet. Mm. So I think people are trying it, but no one has quite figured out how to make it work. Although, to be fair, 11 out of 25 is pretty close to 50%. Oh, yeah, it's pretty good. But I think there's more people who know to, how to kill it and how to get the most out of it, I think, is the problem. Yeah, we're, we're definitely all still... still you know, learning it. I mean, some of us have played zero games so far with it. Uh, hopefully that'll change soon, but uh, it's tough to not fly Jedi. But um, You know, the gauntlet is in Republic. I know, I, I painted a Republic one today, but it's, like, it's seven points. Like, I could have Hawk, who could be the best support ship ever at two points cheaper, which is Contrail, right? So do I want Hawk and Contrail, or do I want Bo-Katan, who really doesn't have a particularly great ability. I, I want I want Hawk and Contra. You want Bo-Katan. How do you make this thing not die? You put Ezra and have it be able to stop every turn if it wants to. Why would you want that though? I mean like Going off of your point, like so, I mean, I was playing a game the other day with the uh, the gauntlet, and um, th- that stop rotate is amazing, especially when you have a veteran talgar or tail gunner on it. You're just like, I'm just gonna stop here for two turns and then uh, get actions and then uh, rotate, and we'll be fine. Everything's fine. Um, and so I I will say, by the way, I I think perhaps the most useful use of the gauntlet right now could just be as a Sloan carrier in Empire, because it's one point cheaper than the other Sloan carrier option, and, uh, Sloan can be very nasty, so that could be, uh, a good place to look at it, right? You can get that and six TIE fighters, which is kind of ridiculous that now you can get six TIE Fighters with Sloan. We'll have to look deeper into the gauntlet coming up. I, I definitely think it's something that uh going to be 
interesting to look at and uh but it's still so fresh like i said the mandalorian i think is cool but mm, i'm not impressed by it we'll say that what's next in the docket oh we got there's uh more we got cad bane ship coming out in c95s more z95s that's just what we need though they look very very different so i mean i mean instead of the wide wings so, I mean, Republic gets all the cool things. When was the last time Republic got anything that wasn't the gauntlet? I don't even remember. It was a while. Yeah, the Ada and the V-Wing. That was like a year or so ago. When was the last time Rebels or Imperials got anything? Besides the gauntlet. Besides the gauntlet. Uh, they just got Fangs and a uh, new TIE Fighter. Kind of true. Tie fighters really shaking up the meta. Don't worry about them. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I think that's going to conclude this week's episode. Um, we do want to promote. Brett, do you want to promote uh, ECG? Yeah. So the, uh, East Coast Gamers is doing a charity event on April 30th. Uh, as of us recording this, there are, I think, 15 spots still available. Um, they are giving away a ton of swag they have more auctions than uh could fit on like a a standard page probably they have all these raffles it's going to be a very fun time um i will be there andrew will be there paul will be there chance will not be there um and i uh i think uh, anyone who is interested in playing in this area should go and uh, you know, support a good cause and have a lot of fun playing X-Wing. It is worth it. It is 100% worth it. Uh, Mike will be making sure that everyone is leaving with armfuls of stuff. So don't miss out on it if you can. Um, On that note, thank you, Paul, for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And uh, if you want to check us out on Facebook, check us out on Discord uh, and all the other fun social media places. So thank you for listening and have a great night.